This is Free Talk Live, and you can dial in via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. So to start things out here tonight, uh, your calls, of course, are the primary element If you make them, otherwise we talk about things interesting to us. Now, a few days back on the program, we got wind that there was going to be a study coming out uh, from the Cato Institute about drug decriminalization in Portugal. And it has come out, and it's like a 30-page long study. Glenn Greenwald from Salon, I believe from Salon, uh, was the guy that put it together. And uh, you can download the full shebang and read it at your leisure, but I was waiting and to talk about it until we got a summary, a nice little executive summary, because that just works better for radio. And Scientific American has it, SciAM.com, S-C-I-A-M.com, reporting that in the face of a growing number of deaths and cases of HIV linked to drug abuse, the Portuguese government back in 2001 tried a new tack to get a handle on the problem. It decriminalized the use and possession of heroin, cocaine, marijuana, LSD, and other illicit street drugs. They did total decriminalization of possession. Possession. Right. So it's still illegal to deal these products in Portugal, but it's no longer illegal to possess and to use these products. And of course... Over the years on Free Talk Live, we have talked about the drug issue so many times. It's my pet issue. Ending the war on drugs, I think, is one of the the most sensible things that could happen as far as policy in this country is concerned. It's sensible. I don't know what it would accomplish. It would accomplish putting uh, uh, people in jail that don't deserve to be there. It would also accomplish a dramatically safer uh, situation in virtually any place in this country, considering it's the war on drugs that is the greatest contributor to violent crime in America. So it it would accomplish an awful lot uh, if we were to. It would also keep drug users safer as well. It it won't return our Fourth Amendment to us, I can tell you that. Nope, that's true. It's Uh, gone. It would keep drug users safer, uh, those who have died as of overdoses, uh, because of overdoses, would be much less likely to die because they'd be getting a quality product created in the marketplace by a legitimate uh, pro- uh, producer under quality control conditions. And so, yes, Mark, there are a lot of reasons why drug legalization or drug decriminalization is going to help society. But people will call in and they'll say things like, well, then if we decriminalize drugs, then more people will use drugs. More kids will get their hands on drugs, ignoring, of course, the fact that teenagers today have an easier time getting uh, marijuana than they do alcohol, pointing out that the legal drug, alcohol, is actually more difficult to get for teenagers. Not that it's that much more difficult. I'm sure plenty of teens have no problem getting alcohol. But nonetheless, uh, let's see what Portugal's experience has been. Because if you believe the drug warriors, decriminalization will result in addicts on every street corner uh, and uh, even more addicted teenagers and more violence and just, you know, the crumbling of society. Right. And one thing that we should point out is that, uh, you know, the proposal of total drug legalization, uh, this this doesn't meet that in the sense that uh, you still have, uh, you know, drugs are criminal to sell, so therefore you're not going to have the, the purity issue is not going to be addressed. Likely the uh, the people, the end user is still going to be getting a, a shoddy product that could likely kill them with a dosage that they can't uh, measure, mm-hmm. but uh, it does address a lot of the other issues. So here are, uh, here are some of the details from and Scientific price, American. It, it really doesn't affect price too much either. 
If it were decriminalized on the user level? It, de- de- decriminalizing it on the user level doesn't affect the price that much because the people taking the risk for selling it are still um, you know, taking the same risk. Yep, that's probably all true. But nonetheless, what were some of the observations? Well, according to Scientific American, five years later, uh, after they decriminalized it, the number of deaths from street drug overdoses dropped from around 400 to 290 annually. Hmm. And the number of new HIV cases caused by using dirty needles to inject heroin, cocaine, or other illegal substances plummeted from nearly 1,400 in the year 2000 to about 400 in 2006. That is a plummet. And just remember, ladies and gentlemen, when you're thinking about this, that could be your son or daughter having sex with that person with HIV. You know, it mm-hmm. happens. And... So that's that's some way that your family has been uh, affected by this. If we were in Portugal, which of course the United States government is, I don't know, I don't see them uh, doing this kind of radical change anytime soon. Oh, I don't either. But nonetheless, I'm bringing this information out not to convince the United States government because I doubt they're listening, uh, but to hopefully bring you on board if you have had some questions about drug decriminalization. Maybe you were one of those folks that said, "Well, I can understand marijuana, but what about those hard drugs?" Well, it's, here's why. Yeah, these are some of the reasons. Uh, so instead of being put into prison, according to Glenn Greenwald, <laughs> the author of the report, former New York State constitutional litigator, he said during a press briefing, instead of being put into prison, addicts are going to get uh, going to treatment centers and they're learning how to control their drug usage or getting off drugs entirely. One of the reasons why people don't go and get help today in this country is because they're afraid. They're afraid of being arrested. They're afraid of being forced into some sort of program uh, that they didn't necessarily want to get into. And they don't want to uh, identify themselves as a drug user because of all of the negative consequences that will come from that. And then when they do get arrested, they're forced into one of these treatment programs that they don't want to be in. So it makes it completely useless uh, to even go in the first place. Right, whereas in a uh, decriminalized situation, they can choose from whatever treatment programs are out there, and they can choose for themselves to go in and talk to these people, and they don't have any fear of uh, you know, the do- doctor walking out the door and bringing a policeman back in with him and taking him off to a jail cell. Yeah, if you've ever been in the situation or known anybody in the situation where you know, they've, they've had a bad reaction to a drug and they have to go to the hospital, my God, that's a scary situation, and it's really not that much different going to look, looking for help. They expect to go to jail after that. Under the Portuguese plan, penalties for people caught dealing and trafficking drugs are unchanged. Dealers are still jailed and subjected to fines depending on the crime. But people caught using or possessing small amounts, defined as the amount needed for 10 days of personal use, are brought before what's called or what's known as a dissuasion commission, an administrative body created by the 2001 law. Each three-person commission includes at least one lawyer or judge and one health care or social services worker. The panel has the option of recommending treatment, a small fine, or no sanction. Peter Reuter, a criminologist at the University of Maryland, says he's skeptical decriminalization was the sole reason drug use slid in Portugal, noting that another factor, especially among teens, was a global decline in marijuana use. By the same token, he notes that critics were wrong in their warnings that decriminalizing drugs would make Lisbon a drug mecca. He said that drug decriminalization did reach its primary goal in Portugal of reducing the health consequences of drug use, he says, and did not lead to Lisbon becoming a drug tourist destination, which is, again, another scare tactic that the uh, the drug warriors will use. Well, you can't be the first city to decriminalize drugs because all the druggies will come there, which... It does seem reasonable. Yeah, I'm know? actually surprised that didn't happen. Right. I, I am, too. Um, I was getting ready to plan a vacation, it too, was, on it, was, Portugal. it was the whole... God. 
<laughs> it's I mean the whole country probably was helpful in that respect. That's the fact that they the whole country instead of just Lisbon. That's but, that's a good point, yeah. You know, I I didn't even hear about this. This has been going on for five years. I didn't know this. Nope, I didn't either until just recently. Drug uh, Walter Kemp, spokesperson for the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime, says decriminalization in Portugal appears to be working. How can, Wow. You actually got somebody from the Office of Drugs and Crime to admit such a thing? He adds his office is putting more emphasis on improving health outcomes, such as reducing needle-borne infections, but that it doesn't explicitly support decriminalization, he says, because it smacks of legalization. Drug legalization removes all criminal penalties for producing, selling, or using drugs, and no country has tried that. In contrast, decriminalization, as practiced in Portugal, eliminates jail time for drug users, but maintains criminal penalties for dealers. Spain and Italy have also decriminalized personal use of drugs, and Mexico's president has proposed doing the same. Spokesbureaucrat for the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy declined to comment. Citing the pending confirmation of their new director, former Seattle police chief Gil Karolikowski, the Drug Enforcement Administration and the U.S. Department of State Bureau International Narcotics and Law Enforcement Affairs also declined to comment on the report. I was hoping they were going to say the uh, former, former Seattle police chief who was Norm Stamper, who's now a member of LEAP, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. That's true. That is uh, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, heroic group of former law enforcement officers and a handful of current law enforcement officers opposing prohibition. And uh, they're, uh, they're a great, great group. LEAP.cc is their website. So there you have it, some basic info on how it is the decriminalization of drugs, just personal possession of drugs, has already seen dramatic results in the country of Portugal with uh, far fewer people getting HIV than ever before and even fewer overdoses. So maybe things are a little bit cleaner on the streets there, Mark. Maybe the last dealers just aren't cutting them as much or must be. who knows what they're doing. Anyway, more coming up. You can bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You dial in, bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are completely free, so enjoy those, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience. Totally free at freetalklive.com. Dot com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI, see their banner right at the top of freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. So whether you want to comment on the news about drug decriminalization, it has uh, been proven at this point, what we've been claiming all along, and that is that decriminalizing drugs helps keep people safer, and of course it drastically reduces the amount of tyranny on the part of the state, uh, because you won't be arresting a whole bunch of peaceful people. As, or or paying to, to keep them in jail. Which is really a destructive thing, especially in a down economy. I mean, in any time, in any economy, it's a bad idea, because every 
productive drug user that you pull out of the economy because most drug users are productive people they're they're out there working jobs all day long they come home and then they decide to recreationally use marijuana for instance instead of drink some alcohol at nighttime except uh, if they get busted you pull them out of their job you push the you know put them into a jail cell now instead of having them produce something a product or service in the economy and and add to the economy you now are adding them to the class of the parasite to where you yeah. have to give them three hots in a cot not for to mention, however long. Not to mention that, uh, you know, the amount of money that they spend on marijuana could go to, you know, feeding their family, providing their kids with better clothes, better uh, learning materials, things like that. So, you know, they'd have more money. Yeah, and the amount of money the police are spending busting marijuana smokers and other, you know, coke users, other peaceful uh, drug users could go to uh, possibly arrest some real criminals. You know, arsonists, vandals, murderers, rapists. And you talk about the lost pro- productivity there's a story or a, a statistic that brings it home for me, and that's the uh, fourth largest city in America is not New York or Chicago or whatever. It's prison. Mm. That's how many people wow. are behind bars, and that's how many people the taxpayers out there are being forced to pay for. And then you think about it. You take a city the size of Chicago or New York or L.A., something like that, and put all of those people behind bars, take away anything that they might do productive and have them stamping license plates or doing laundry or whatever, what is being lost in society? What kind of what kind of advancements and, you know, who knows what is are we missing out on because these people are just being forced to sit in cages all day and play cards? I'd like to point out uh, that uh, prison work is not as arduous as many people might imagine it is. Is that right? Um, there's, there's, you know, in your average prison, the average prisoner might do five or six hours of work. Now, I'll admit that I've turned big rocks into little rocks while in prison, but... I mostly did it for fun. Like they gave me a sledgehammer and let me, you know, go to go to work on this big cement block. But you know, by and large, prisoners, you know, they have they have a they have a surplus of labor, and only so much can get done, and only so many inmates can go outside of the fence. Every time some inmate that does go outside of the fence does something stupid, you know how the government is. It's extraordinarily reactionary. So then they take everybody who's you know, if, if the guy was a burglar and he decides that he's going to burglarize one of the staff's cars, well then all the burglars are allowed are forced back into the into mm-hmm. the prison for you know months or years until they decide well I guess we can let these types of burglars back yeah in. you know and, and so there's there's very little that can be done outside of the fence hmm. and there's just not that much work that can be done inside either because you know you can you can only do so much laundry you guys are mo- both making good points about some of the uh, the effects of the criminalization of drugs and and how it is that it's just hurting the economy taking people out of the economy putting them into prison when those folks could be out there providing products and services and that's all true. It doesn't touch on the personal, real personal aspects of this. Like, for instance, uh, the fact that you're separating families. I just found out today that my next door neighbors, my tenants in the duplex that I own in Keene, New Hampshire, had their home raided a month ago. I didn't even know this happened. They told me about it today. For whatever reason, I wasn't. I guess I wasn't around because I'm sure I would have heard something going down if, and I would have run out with my video camera and would not have been very pleased uh, with what was going on. But apparently the cops came in and uh, like a dozen cops, uh, the New Hampshire Drug Task Force and Keene Police Department came into the, uh, this guy's house and were looking for marijuana plants. They allegedly found one uh, and they're charging this guy. I mean, he could be looking at 10 years in prison mm. for a marijuana plant. 
And that's going to result in him being taken out of his family, his uh, his girlfriend, her partner, and his daughter, not going to have a father figure in the home anymore. Right. And that's I'm, going to make it more difficult for them to pay the rent on time, which means it's going to be more difficult for me to pay those property taxes, which funded the raid in the first place. Right. And I don't know this. I don't know him uh, personally or anything like that. But, you know, I've talked to them in passing. He's a peaceful guy. Yeah. yeah and that's that's really it. You know, may, maybe maybe he's not the greatest father figure i don't know that in the world but he's there and he's providing some level of support for his family yeah now his family is you know his his wife is going to be sort of semi-responsible for giving him money so that he can uh, you know buy zoom zooms and wham whams and kool-aid in prison that's puts makes him a drain on this family and that much more likely that she's going to be with some other dude when he gets out so i mean really what do we want here people i'm not you don't get perfection Perfection, not an option. You can have either this guy who's, you know, maybe more or less not the greatest father in the world, or you can have a family broken up and, um, you know, a little girl growing up with some other dude or, or, you know, the family in poverty or whatever. The best option is keeping that guy at home. And these families that have a mother or father or or maybe even both missing and they end up in foster uh, homes, these are the kids that end up in trouble, that end up Mm -hmm. becoming criminals, so... They're just making the problem worse, and none of them get it. They they busted a, a crack dealer over by, you know, where I live in the neighborhood, and they ran up on this guy, drove, you know, ran into the back of his car, caused an accident, busted his window, pulled the guy out of the car, and they probably went out and celebrated and had beers and thought, oh, we did a good job. Yeah. We, we took a crack dealer off the street. Well, you know, crack is, is the bathtub gen of, of drug prohibition. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a bad drug, yes, but who's going blind from drinking bottles of gin? Nobody. It, these, these guys are creating these problems, and they're patting themselves on the back and thinking, "Oh, we're doing a good job. We're we're keeping our community safe." Do they when really think you're that? The problem, people. Do they really think that? They I do. can't believe yes. that after years of arresting people for various drug possessions, no, no, these charges. aren't people, Ian. These are criminals. Okay, you don't understand. These aren't people. They're criminals. They but break the they law. See? It doesn't matter. They broke the law. The law is the law, and that's it. But why? The, the can't smart they ones see? can, but the average person can't. They, they simply, can't see they how have futile goals. it is? No, they have goals that they're to meet in their job, and that's all. I mean, look how most people are in their jobs. You know, They're given goals to, to achieve, and they attempt to achieve those goals. So they're that's completely all. blind to the results. They're completely blind to the fact that we've, they keep throwing well, people in jail. We've talked to them on this show. You've heard them. They don't, they don't know. They don't care. Some of them do know. I'm not trying to... I don't want to paint them all with the same brush. I'm not. Some of them know. It may, we've it may talked not to the ones the, on the show that don't know and don't care, and we've talked to plenty that do. It may not be the best solution out there there but ian i've got my pension to worry about well that's just it even those that do know continue to do the wrong thing those that do know that the drug war is not uh having they're not making any progress they're not stopping drugs they're not stopping people from using drugs they just keep arresting people and as though the problem's going to all of a sudden go away and it never does just doing my job more on the way you bring up whatever you want this is free talk live Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in, bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those, including the wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners just like you. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com. Get interactive. Uh, It's like the listener-editable version of our website, wiki, wiki.freetalklive.com. If you want privacy online, you think that people might be snooping through your emails or concerned that somebody might see what's in your emails, you can go to privacyharbor.com. You can get a free account there today. I believe you can send... 20 private guaranteed guaranteed private email messages uh, per month at privacyharbor.com because normal email is not secure they have uh, you know bigger accounts but uh, you have to pay for those but tw- the the 20 per month is free privacyharbor.com let's continue here take your phone calls about whatever you want paul is on the line in california you're on free talk live hello paul hi ian mark and sam how are you doing hey just what super on? what's on your mind tonight well, uh, firstly, I, I agree with you completely about the drug war. I think your points are excellent, and, and the the you know the, the analogy is perfect with uh, alcohol. You know, if you uh, if you look at uh, you know the best way to get rid of Al Capone is to legalize alcohol. The best way to get rid of the, the uh, gangs is to legalize marijuana and all of the other drugs. Exactly, because I agree. the gangs aren't going to go away. If you just legalize marijuana, you're not going to do much at all to solve the gang problem. They have to have nothing in which they can traffic, and as long as they can traffic in drugs and uh, let's not forget uh, other things that gangs like to traffic in prostitution and guns, uh, for instance, some of them I guess play even in the gambling arena. So anything that's prohibited, gangs will always form around the distribution uh, the distribution areas of these uh, these products and services. So in- including the nicer ones like prescription drugs. Wait, wait, what do you mean? Well, well the, the doctors? The yeah, AMA? The AMA. Yeah, that's true. That's a legal gang, though. That's a legal gang. They're, they're a little more accepted. They're a lobbying group. They're not exactly going around cracking their competition over the skulls. Uh, they're doubling the size of their building in Washington, D.C. But they are having their proxies, the police, essentially prevent anybody from being their competition. So to some extent, you're, you're correct in what you're saying there, Sam. Paul, your other thoughts? Well, I, the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, yesterday you had talked about possibilities for alternative currencies being backed by precious metals in some way, and I, I think that is certainly a goal that we all need to work that we all can work towards. And I don't think, uh, although I certainly agree and appreciate efforts like the Liberty Dollar, I think we can also just try to promote uh, using uh, trading, you know, barter with uh, precious metals in our everyday lives. You know, if you own a store, you can price things at just price things in ounces. We don't need, you know, a special set-up system necessarily to go ahead and try to get out of the uh, Federal Reserve note system. And there can be a, a, a sizable discount or uh, or price increase in, inside of one day with a, uh, with an ounce of silver, though, if you were to price it at say spot. I don't know why anyone would particularly get into the area arena of spot because you know many of the coins uh, you have to pay for the 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 minting of them, and so you you've sort of got to figure that in. Do you understand how the the dilemma there with pricing things in ounces? An ounce of silver is you know like an ounce of silver pulled out of the ground as opposed to an ounce of silver minted into a uh, a coin. So you know, what's a coin worth? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely different coins are worth different amounts. But you could you could have just, you know, you can take uh, a little bit over spot, I think, in price. And hey, why not price in uh, ounces and then let the price of the Federal Reserve notes change? I, I think I just think that, you know, 
although it may be a good step. Because your customers you, won't have the fog. Wait, 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 wait. I'll tell you the reason yeah. you don't do that is because your fo- customers won't have a f- the foggiest idea what your prices are if you price in ounces of silver because the average well, person doesn't know what that is. And then you require them to come up and ask, and many people are too shy and don't or don't want to do that, and they're going to walk out of your store befuddled. So maybe you That's provide the option for both. Yeah, I think the option for both is a good idea. And, you know, hey, you know, you don't have to keep capture each little fluctuation. I'm sure if you're selling a cup of coffee and then you end up selling for 50 cents less or more, it's not the end of the world. But, you know, if, whenever, although it may be a good first step, if you're tied into Federal Reserve notes and you're, you're, you're priced in terms of those, you know, it, it's fundamentally not really completely getting outside the system. It would be nice to see... You know, just trade, or even if not not in stores, just trade in every your everyday life. You can start trading with your friends. Uh, I encourage people to go go to local stores. You're probably not going to get very far with chains, but go to local stores and see if they'll just show them some coins and see if maybe they'll take silver in it instead of dollars for you know your pizza or something. It you know, never hurts trying. to ask. It never hurts to ask, and you never know. You might find somebody that really likes the idea of having some value uh, to do business with, uh, to some real silver, real gold, and actually have that in their cash register. Of course, they can't take it to the bank account, which is a a trouble for a lot of business owners. And so, it's again, it's not an easy road to hoe here. This is a very difficult uh, and complicated process to essentially switch from the U.S. dollar, which has been so integrated in society, to some sort of alternative. And I think that Anything that we can do to take steps in the right direction is a good idea. I think longer term what we'll actually see is some sort of representative receipt-based currency that's out there that's really fiat, that's not, you know, coins that are gold and silver, but would would be a kind of a representation of a set amount of product or service or good uh, provided by a number of different companies operating in the marketplace and maybe one sort of overall company that you go to and you say, okay, I produce, I import bananas from South America. So I want to make, uh, you know, one of your units of currency equal to X number of bananas that people can come in and redeem. And by trading in and out of this currency with bananas or whatever your service, a car wash, uh, you putting, instead of, you know, using tokens at the laundromat or whatever, uh, that way you have kind of a, a barter system still in place where the currency can be traded for individual goods and services amongst many different companies in the marketplace, but yet it's still a common uh, common note that people can recognize and get a sense of the value for. I think it's a neat idea, but again, you're talking about having some kind of go-between between these different entities, yes, right? Yes, And somebody's going to need to step forward with yeah, that. Yeah, it's going to be a long time before that develops, but uh, I think I like the Liberty term, Dollar, personally. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I mean, the the way that they do it, they're, they're tying it into the U.S. dollar, and that's the problem. Well, they're not um, tying it into the U.S. dollar. The Liberty Dollar, an ounce of silver, has changed uh, in the amount of time that I've been, uh, you know, cognizant of Liberty Dollar. It's changed from, you know, a $10 piece to a $20 piece to a $50 well, but why piece do they change back to it? a $20 piece. Why do they do that? Well, because because, uh, because dollars are worth crap. That's why. No, I, I thought it was because the the value of silver keeps changing against sure. measured against the dollar. Well, so they're the dollar is supposed Liberty to be silver. Th- so if the, do- if the amount of silver is changing against the dollar, it's because the dollar is crap, not silver. Silver is still worth the same thing. Right, but if they're changing their currency, it means their currency is not tied to silver. Their currency is tied to the dollar. 
No, they're not. They're changing their their currency because their currency is an ounce of silver, and then the uh, the dollar keeps on changing around it. So, so what would it matter? It's one of the faults the to the Liberty Dollar. dollar. Changes. It's worth. That's what it's worth. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a one problem. Of the but I mean, you you are dealing with a world where the dollar is the world reserve currency. The reason why. And uh, Paul, uh, any other thoughts here? Uh, no, I guess that's it. Thanks a lot, Thanks guys. for the call, dude. Thank you. Uh, the reason why, as a longtime uh, fan of the Liberty Dollar and a Liberty Dollar associate, uh, the the reason why they have a dollar value on the front of the Liberty Dollar, whether it's 10, 20, or 50, or whatever the dollar has, I think it's 20 at this point in time. Yes. So that's their base, right? That's their base value of the, the currency. And so they essentially say, this ounce of silver is worth $20 because we say so. Now, it's actually worth whatever you can trade it for, right? And in reality, right. in the marketplace, it's worth for whatever it's worth whatever you get in return for it. Uh, but they put that number on there for the purposes of helping people see it as money, essentially, helping them make that transition in their mind from uh, from U.S. dollars to silver to get people asking questions. The Liberty Dollar is an alternative currency, but it's also an educational tool. And that's one of the main reasons why uh, Bernard put it out there is is not to have people, you know, hoard a bunch of it and keep it in a, in a safe somewhere, but to have it circulating so people... People can see it and go to the Liberty Dollar website and learn about what real money is. I think ideally, I mean, we don't have Bernard on the phone to talk about this tonight, but I think ideally he would probably like to see a transition to a a true uh, denominated in ounces based currency. It's just that I think that he's chosen this particular path for his currency because it just makes the most sense as far as introducing new people to the ideas of real money. Okay, I can see the value in that. 800-259-9231. That said, it is very cumbersome to remint and remint a bunch of Liberty Dollars every time the, sure is. The, uh, the amount changes, so that's why I stopped doing that. I figure it's an ounce of silver, I'll just negotiate if I have to. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You dial in toll-free, bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Do you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We take that money in, reinvest it into the program, getting on more radio stations across the country, bringing more internet listeners on board with the program and helping expose new people to the ideas of freedom. So head over to amp.freetalklive.com, get on board and get perks like the amp only call in lines, chat room, forum and more. amp.freetalklive.com. And you know, uh, we've talked before about how the AMP program has uh, sends us to the radio conventions each year. We're going to uh, Talkers Magazine's convention this year. We used to go to the R&R conventions, but I just radio got, and records. Yeah, radio and records. I just got tired of them because they were just they were like political blab fest. So not so much industry discussion, just more a bunch of talk show hosts talking about their viewpoint. And so I. I I have no. I'm no longer going to the uh, the radio and records ones, but we really have. Uh, we had some great results, even though uh, even though we're not going now. I just talked to a program director today that I met at one of those events. 
prior to him being a program director, he was just there attending with a different program director. Now he is a program director out in California. Happened to talk to him today. It's a tiny incestuous world, it this is. radio business. And, uh, of course, he remembered and, meeting and me. Unfortunately, we're even tinier and more incestuous because it's just you and I here. And we, Well, the incestuous part probably doesn't work. But, you know, we, you know, we, don't, uh, we don't get out and meet the rest of the talk show industry. We, yeah. we don't hire and fire like they do. You know, people That's be true. bebopping between markets and, and stations and all that stuff. So we're we a pretty stable show, actually. Yeah, we're entirely stable. We've got the same two hosts since we've been syndicated since 2004. And, uh, you know, we, we bring some people in, but they don't have anything to do with the radio business. So we have to get out to conventions like this if we want to rub a few elbows. But you weren't at this You weren't at this particular convention, Mark. It was last year. It was Radio and Records. In and Julia came with me and went down to D.C. for it, which is yet another reason why I don't want to go. Uh, but uh, but so, so we met this young guy who was really excited about Free Talk Live. He worked at w, our affiliate WTKG in Grand Rapids and was working with the program director up there as an assistant or something like that. Now he's out in California as a program director in that same company at a, at a station. I don't remember what city it was, but uh, he's out in California. I talked to him today, and, of course, he remembered me from the, the conference. We had a nice 25-minute long chat, and uh, it looks like, excuse me, he's not in California. He's in Arizona. I do remember where. Uh, but looks like we're going to get on his station as a result of that. So, again, uh, all of this is possible because of listeners like you getting behind the show and contributing to Free Talk Live and helping us get on these stations. So head over to amp.freetalklive.com. You're making a difference, and it's only 3 bucks a month. We continue with your phone calls. Dave is listening to WAIS in Athens, Ohio. Hello, Dave. Hey, guys. Long time no talk to. Hey, man, Dave. Yeah, I I saw you guys on the Internet. You did? I had a weird dream that I got to meet you. Hmm. Yeah. Where did you see I, us on the Internet? The dreams of the Internet. Yeah, I mean, I looked it up under libertarian talk shows. Oh, great. And we came up pretty quick then? Yeah. Very good, sir. Yeah. So, so I got to share? see what you guys look like. I'm sorry about that. I'm the good-looking one, huh? <laughs> you, why are you sorry about that? I don't know. I, I, I always like to joke that we have faces for radio. Yeah. Just keep it to yourself. Right. So, Dave, all, is that all you had for us tonight? I just wanted to say hi. I'll Thanks, call Dave. Always good hearing from often. you. Yes, sir. 800-259-9231. Let's continue with a different Dave. This one is in Montana. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, yo, death to the king, power to the people, man. <laughs> Dave ain't here. Hey, uh, I got two things, the currency and the drug war. But first, I had to lay down eight American dollars for a pack of cigarettes and a cup of coffee. Oh, wow. Something's wrong. We ain't in Kansas no more, man. No. But uh, currency, they're going to get us on to cyber currency, digital currency, so they could keep an eye on every single cent that you spend and make so that they get their tax and you ain't making no illicit money. Mm, I don't doubt it's they would coming, like that very right? much. It's coming with this uh, World Bank they're setting up right now, man. And uh, the drug war will never end because it is the financier of all the corruption that the governments are up to. They finance covert wars. They buy weapons. They buy, break countries. They, that's why our guys are guarding the, the opium over there in uh, Afghanistan. That's why they're taking over all the smuggling routes. Yep, we've That's read why stories. That's the army down over there to 
to uh, Mexico right now, and they're going to say that we got to give our guns up because the Mexican drug guys got guns, so we, we better not have guns or some crazy stuff like that. These guys got to be drug out into the street, tarred and feathered, man. We can't. Who, the politicians? Them. Yeah. The, the well. ones making up these laws. The, the, the war on terror is a farce. It's only for cowards and, and sheep. We all know that the only war on terror is our freedoms. It, the whole, the whole, it's, it's crazy, man. But, Dave, it's, if we drag them out into the streets and tar and feather them, we're only going to get the same thing when the guys come in to replace them. Well, well, then, like, like, uh, we'll have to, yeah, I don't know. We have to <laughs> vote them now out or something. Well, we no, the, the answer, I think, is really to educate people and get them to understand what a joke all, the, all of this really is and how ineffective it is and the harm that it causes, kind of like we were talking about in the, you know, earlier five segments. five months, our president spent $12.6 billion. He's not my president. Trillion. <laughs> <laughs> now they're talking derivatives. They're talking quadrillion, 1.8 quadrillion. Man. God, I don't even know what that Pretty means. Pretty soon it's we're going to be paying 80 bucks for a cup of coffee and a pack of cigarettes. Not too long. You're right, Dave. Thank you for the call yeah, tonight. Yeah, 90% of it will be taxes. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Maybe it'll be not bucks, but uh, 80 world creds. Mm, creds. Yeah. <laughs> but if, if a cup of coffee cost 80 world creds, wouldn't we all be millionaires then? That'd be great. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> uh, hey, here's a little story for you. Speaking of voting them out, Harry Stonebreaker, according to, this is the Associated Press, was re-elected mayor of Winfield on Tuesday, about a month after his death. <laughs> Ballots had already been printed, and absentee voting had already begun when Stonebreaker died of a heart attack at age 69 on March 11th. He hmm. won easily in Tuesday's general election with 206 votes, or 90%. Alderman Bernie <laughs> Panther got the other 23 votes. Lincoln County clerk uh, said she wasn't surprised, noting Stonebreaker was a popular mayor who helped lead the community of 1500 through the devastating 2008 flood when a levee breach, uh, breach caused by a burrowing muskrat left about 100 homes what? with damage. <laughs> I love that Yuckerdooville, nowhere, <laughs> nowhereville, uh, USA here's uh, got flooded by a muskrat. She um, said, "You know, the the well, I saw this on Freedom's Phoenix, and in fact, 85 percent of the people voted no, and 14 percent voted for the mayor, and 1 percent voted for there the other a, guy. There was a no option. No, on this? no, they just didn't go and vote. Oh, which, I see what you, you mean. You know, so I mean, it it really just goes to show that even the people that are participating on a local level don't know what the hell they're talking about. I, yeah, I can see the old ladies going into the polling box. Stonebreaker. Uh, I remember hearing something about him <laughs> in the news. I'll, I'll vote for him. Wait a minute, guys. Don't you think it was possible <laughs> that the voters went in and they just said, "Wow, this guy's dead. Let's vote him into office because he'll be better than this living guy." I mean, are isn't you it serious? possible? No. I would vote for a dead guy. Now, then that would be the reason I would vote for the dead so guy, because I'd do? rather have a rotting corpse sitting in there doing nothing than uh, having the, these bureaucrats making new rules. So the question is, what are they going to do about it? Well, uh, the, the election did recall Missouri's 2000 Senate race, where Democrat Mel Carnahan died in a plane crash just weeks before the election. Remember that one where he defeated John Ashcroft in the uh, the election? John Vaguely. Ashcroft actually was uh, at lost to a rotting corpse. Luck said Alderman will appoint a mayor who will serve until the next municipal election, when a special election will select a mayor for the remaining term. So they're going to appoint one of their buddies. Spend more money.
So, yeah, it doesn't actually end up doing anything when you vote for the dead guy. But nonetheless, it's a fun story, and I think one worthy of uh, pointing out. Will voting change this situation? I don't, I don't really believe it will. I'd like to. I'd like to believe that it will, and maybe it will. Maybe the, the political activists here in New Hampshire will manage to, uh, to prove me wrong on that and really show me that the political process still has some viability left as far as achieving freedom. To me, it's the only thing that makes any sense. I mean, what, what else is going to happen? I don't know, Mark. That's right. a good I mean, question. You know, that's because because you know I understand the frustration with the political process, but the the um, the the civil disobedience, peaceful anarchist process is mm-hmm. step one: make lots of noise for liberty. Step three: enjoy peaceful anarchy. Step two: real damn hazy. Step yeah. two is show people that this stuff doesn't work and get them to stop I think believing that's step and one. buying into this system. That's a tricky... It's all very tricky. Hopefully we'll get there sooner rather than later. And one's faster than the other? All I know is if we get enough activists together in the same place, we'll figure out what step two is. I concur with that. (laughs) More coming up. (laughs) Whatever it is, I just want it to happen soon. All right, it's Free Talk Live. Hour two's coming up. You bring up anything. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized the contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code, 600, to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. W-E-B-E-X.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial toll-free. Bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231 as we launch here in hour number two of the program. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We were talking uh, last hour about whatever it takes, we need to get to a more voluntary society. And, of course, it's one of my goals in life is to see the arrival of the voluntary society. And, uh, of course, we're a part of making that happen. I think it's inevitable. I think that that's the next great step in uh, in mankind's evolution. And I think that, again, that it's, it's on its way. But the question is, how can we see it sooner rather than later? What can we do to accelerate the process of it uh, of it getting here? And uh, Jason Osborne in the Free Talk Live uh, Stickham chat room is saying that, is it just me or is Ian getting softer on politics? And I would say, yeah, I am getting a little bit softer uh, on politics because I've seen the, the political guys here in New Hampshire having a little bit of success. And uh, I'd say that the political guys have gotten a little softer on uh, civil disobedience, too. I'd say you're right about that. And um, I, I think that uh, there's, there's, there's coming a, an equilibrium 
and it's a ways off, right? Between what civil disobedience is and um, you know what it what it affects in the Free State Project and what politics is and what it affects, because the I, I, to me the idea that you know you can do uh, you know civil disobedience and see a you know peaceful anarchic situation uh, arise from that, I, like it just seems ludicrous to me. However, um, you know I'm sure that it, it's very difficult for the people that uh, see civil disobedience as their only option to uh, look at the political situation and say I can get involved in that. I like the uh, chicken farm analogy. Certainly, the I love uh, the chicken farm analogy too. The, the chickens that are in the little cages where they spend their whole lives there have it pretty rough. And then you know, one step up from that, they they have the big uh, long barns where they pack hundreds and hundreds of chickens just packed together on the floor, rolling around. Is that free range? No, 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 no. no. Free range is the next step. That's where they actually. No, there's still have... a step in between. My, chick- my chickens have a coop and a pinned-in area of ten by ten by ten. Okay. And so they're allowed in the pinned-in area unless I let them out during the day, at which point they can go free range. But you know, at that point, they can lay their eggs anywhere. They can get eaten by some critter. So there's a they have a pin. Yeah. So <laughs> so you've got all those different sort of levels of freedom within the chicken farm. But at the end of the day, they're still getting their eggs stolen, and they're still going to go to the slaughterhouse. That is working within the system to change the system. That's using politics where the chickens all get together and say, you know, these chicken coops really suck. It'd be better if if we could be free-range chickens and then we'd have a better life. Well, I I don't want to argue. I I, I see value in... Uh Getting? I've got the analogy. Hold so the, con- the concern of the chickens that don't want to see the whole coop g- gotten rid of is that there are bad animals out there that are going to eat us. And I think that's the big concern that people have with the whole idea of peaceful anarchy. Well, and the, the fortunate part is we're humans and not chickens. So we can forge tools to defend ourselves against the, the big bad animals that are out there, especially now with all the technology and communication and so forth that exist. That's not really a concern anymore. So I see the the civil disobedience crowd is really saying, you know what, chicken farms aren't the way to go. We'd rather be free to go about and live our lives the way we want. And, you know, in the meantime, if the political people want to go out and argue for better living conditions to get us out, you know, from one relatively free uh, lifestyle to another one, that's great. But at, in, at the same time, I'm going to be doing what it takes to get off the farm. for your thoughts on how to best get from where we are to where we want to be. I think that what you're going to end up seeing, I mean, at least this is just how I feel like, I feel at this point in time, is that the politico or the politicians are going to end up following the uh the the civil disobedience so as the civil disobedience continues to occur and continues to become more popular and non-cooperation becomes more of a uh a typical thing that we start to see amongst the activist population right now politics is the primary mode of liberty activists here in new hampshire and of course we're talking about the uh the new hampshire liberty movement it's the free state project thousands of people are moving here in order to get active for more freedom because this is what's what's happening as far as uh liberty in the world we'd be talking about someplace else if that's what if it was happening right when we lived in florida we talked about new hampshire because that's where it was happening right so uh so basically i think what's going to happen is that non-cooperation will become more popular more people will dabble in the idea of saying no to government efficient too okay 
Uh, well, anyway, more people will dabble in the idea of saying no to government. And once government uh, people start realizing that their old methods aren't working like they used to anymore, that people aren't being as obedient as they used to be, that in fact, when they're trying to fine people and punish people and the people aren't paying the fines, and in fact, they're actually increasing the costs of the state to intern them into, uh, you know, to put them into jail cells and, and all of the things that they have to do, when it's, when it's actually costing the state more, when somebody refuses to pay a fine or refuses to obey, they may actually decide that it's just no longer uh, a viable option for them to start pun- to, to continue punishing people in this way. Uh, eventually, the politicians may come on board and start to understand these things because of the, the, the impetus of the civil disobedience and the non-cooperation. So I, I think that what we'll see is the non-cooperatives will, will kind of lead the path, and then the politicians will, like they usually do, they'll see a parade and they'll run out and pretend like they were in front yep. of it the entire time. I, that's how it worked in uh, you know the, the United States South during the black movement. The civil disobedience led the way, and the politicians came in and sort of firmed things up. They didn't do that great of a job. I'll admit that's one of the reasons we need to stack the deck here in New Hampshire with as many liberty people as we possibly can and as many liberty-oriented politicians as we can. We've got uh, six Free State Project members or you know, thereabouts. Um, I can't tell whether they're all Free State Project members or, or friends of the Free State or what they are. And 90-something uh, New Hampshire Liberty Alliance members. So the deck is getting stacked, but it's not stacked as well as it needs to be. I think that uh, a mix is what what we're seeing happen now, a mix of activism, both market-based, non-cooperation, and political action. But I think we need a better mix. I think, uh, I think, that, I think that if more, more, more people did non-cooperation, then things would change much faster. And I think that's going to be the – I still believe that that's the key to achieving liberty in our lifetime – uh, but I agree. I, if you put pressure on their court system by, yeah. um, it, it, it happened here already. They had to shut down the courts for a month because they just didn't have the money to run them. And that wasn't it, because of non-cooperation. That's just because of government sucking and because right, government sucks, right. no doubt. Um, so if you put additional pressure on their penal system by saying, yeah, I'm not going to pay that seatbelt fine that they're trying right. to, t- trying to push through. I'm not going to pay that fine. I'll just take a weekend in jail. Thanks. And that's actually where it's going, and that's one of these issues that I think, I hope, is going to bring a lot of the political activists on board for t- to test the waters, if you will, of non-cooperation. And it's a credit to Dennis Goddard from the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance for essentially putting the, I think he's one of the people that put the idea out there, that uh, this, there's this pledge, essentially, for people who are of the more political realm, or just anybody, who will, uh, they're going to take a pledge that'll say, look, if this seatbelt law passes, if you want to mandate that I wear a seatbelt, I wear my seatbelt anyway. A lot of people wear their seatbelt anyway. Uh, These folks are saying, look, I would have worn my seatbelt, but if you pass a law mandating that I wear the seatbelt, whenever I see a cop, I'm no longer going to wear my seatbelt. If I see a cop or getting pulled over by a cop or whatever, if I see a cop, I'm taking my seatbelt off and I'm waving at the cop or something like that to, to encourage these people who have never done anything like civil disobedience to just jump in a little bit and do a little bit of non-cooperation and see what the results are like. If I get a ticket for a seatbelt, some people are pledging that they will not pay, that they will take the weekend in jail, that they will take the, uh, the, the punishment, whatever it might be. I can't imagine it would be a weekend in jail for a $50 ticket. That would be a day in jail. Yeah, it's $50 think, a day. It's $50 a day credit toward whatever you supposedly owe. Oh, but, well, so what would happen if you took a parking ticket? You took uh, the time in jail. Do you only have to spend six minutes? You might have to spend a whole day. Minutes, it might be you? a whole day. 
so I think that's good news. I think it's helping. I think that what, there was this large gap between the non-cooperatives and the politicos here in, in New Hampshire for a little while. And I think we're starting to see that gap uh, close a little bit. I think that's I think that's a healthy thing. So. Your thoughts at 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever you want. Uh, story here out of WFAA television where those driving down the road without an insurance card or driver's license with the correct address may find themselves in jail if they get pulled over by Irving police. In fact, it happened to two women who were pulled over by the same two cops last weekend. Both women said their traffic stops turned into a nightmare. Mickey Stokes of Irving said she was headed to the store for some sour cream while she was stopped by two Irving police officers. She was initially stopped for not making a complete stop when exiting the parking lot. The second offense was that her current address was not on her Texas driver's license. However, she said she never dreamed that those two minor offenses would result in her being cuffed and stuffed into the back of a squad car. More on her story here in moments. At 800-259-9231, you can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You dial in, bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. Hey, and Sam. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are totally free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Com, and those features include updates that uh, if you go over to updates.freetalklive.com, you can get on this list. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to updates.freetalklive.com and get on the list totally free. What if you found out that the best liberty activists from around the world were moving to the same place in order to achieve liberty in their lifetimes? Would you want to join them? It's happening, and you can be a part of it. Join us. In the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. So was talking in the first segment about how it is that I think that more people should engage in non-cooperation, should engage in civil disobedience. I think civil disobedience is really a much higher level step than non-cooperation because civil disobedience kind of implies that you're announcing in advance what it is you're planning on doing and you're making kind of a, an issue out of it, whereas non-cooperation usually is like, well, they're coming after you for something and you're just not going to give them your assistance in tyran- uh, t- enacting tyranny upon you. And I think a step below that is just questioning the bureaucrats when you're interacting with them. Don't take their word for what they say. Question it and ask them some of these tough questions. Because right now, I, I, I think a lot of them have the mindset that what we're doing is good and the people want us to do it. And, yeah. And, and they're no right one's saying anything because, to them. Yeah. When, when it starts to become more and more uncomfortable for them and, and they're, they go to work and it's, you know, people are asking these tough questions and they don't really have answers because, well, the answer is they're just violent. I mean, that, that's, that's why they do some of these, most of these things. Um, once it becomes not such a fun job to be at anymore, mm-hmm. I think things will start to change as well. I agree with that, and there have been some great examples of that happening here in Keene, uh, Keene, New Hampshire, where we do the show, and you've been involved in this, where activists have shown up at city council meetings to really give them a piece of their mind, holding signs in the back, speaking at uh, public opportunities to speak, and just excoriating them for being criminals and stealing ho- homes from people and things like that. And you're right, those are the things that are going to make these folks uncomfortable, because normally people just don't have time to deal with them. They just, okay, it's the government, they're going to screw me, I'm going to try to minimize the damage and keep to myself and, and enjoy my life as much as I possibly can. This is the mindset of most people to avoid uh, contact with these government people. Sure, stick your head up, get it shut off. 
well, now we're starting to see people stick their heads up and they haven't gotten them shot off yet. They're speaking out and they're letting these people know how they feel. And I think that that helps. You're right, Sam. That's a nice interim step before non-cooperation, asking mm-hmm. questions and letting them know how you feel. But I think that if we just had a bunch of non-cooperation going on where the government makes a demand of you and you say, no, that's OK, I won't be agreeing. I won't be uh, following your orders today. That just throws them for a loop. They're not used to that happening. They're used to people just bowing down and doing whatever it is that they demand. The problem with that is that while on the short term, it does allow you to minimize damage to your life and to sort of go along to get along and enjoy all the the pleasantries of life that we have here in these wonderful uh, farms that we live, uh, these farms called states uh, that we all live in. Where they harvest our labor. Right. So, uh, so it does allow you, to some extent, to avoid as much of the, the, uh, the, the system as possible. Just try to go along to get, get along, and they won't cut off your head. But the problem is, down the line, as you keep going along to get along, it becomes more and more progressively difficult to go along to get along, because the rules that you have to follow, if that's what you want to do, is obey the rules so they don't cut your head off, the rules you have to follow become more and more absurd and onerous and difficult to adhere to, to the point where... Women are being thrown in the back of police cars for not having a current address on a driver's license and not making a complete stop at a stop sign. That's what this story is about from WFAA television, where a couple of different ladies were arrested by the same, were essentially, uh, I guess they weren't really arrested, but we'll get the de- rest of harassed. the details here. They were harassed and uh, temporarily imprisoned by these police she says i was like is this something that someone with no criminal record would get arrested for that's never been in trouble for anything and that's not a persistent offender she said i've never been in trouble before why are you arresting me for this and they were like we can arrest you for anything they're right yeah no no doubt about that so can you hear the shock and the surprise in this woman's voice? She had no idea this kind of stuff was going on in America. She had no, she was just going about her life. Let's presume she's, you know, a soccer mom or something like that. Or, you know, she's just going about her daily life, going to work, coming home, going to work. In this case, she was going out to get some sour cream at the convenience store. And that's when she got pulled over coming out of that, uh, coming out of that parking lot, was thrown unceremoniously into the back of a police car. And she's shocked and wondering why this is going on. Well, this is going on all over the place. This kind of treatment of individuals by the, the government people, by on the part of the, the police, this kind of dehumanizing treatment is happening everywhere. It's just that it, if it hasn't happened to you or a loved one yet, it's easy to ignore it. It's easy to, you know, to not look at, uh, at what's going on around you. It's easy to see somebody pulled over on the side of the road and just think to yourself, well, glad that's not me as you drive on by. You know, oh, well, I don't smoke marijuana, so I don't have to be worried about those things happening to me. You know, it's so easy to just go about your life and focus only on the things that affect you while all around you people are being picked off and thrown into jail cells for the most innocuous of things. And so then there's shock and surprise when it finally comes down to happen to you. Well, yeah, but they taught her these ladies a lesson, and they're not going to do it again. What, well, you mean they're going to go and change their their driver's sure license? Sure, they will. Sure, they will. Exactly. And this is what the this is why the police have the laws set up this way so that they can uh, exert a, a really outrageous penalty for anything running a stop sign. Uh, speeding, they they can take you to jail for any of these little minor petty things, and no one wants to go to jail. And if you, yeah, so if you are not cooperating with them, if you start to resist the system, start to question these people, or say no, they'll immediately pull that 
right out of their pocket and say, well, I can take you to jail, and that scares people into compliance. That's why it's there, to scare you into compliance. Yeah, but if the, people stop being scared, then everything changes. I uh, had you know, the, the, some guy at a rental place uh, where I was uh, renting some construction equipment one time um, within the last couple of years. You know, he looked at my driver's license and said, uh, um, you know, asked me my address, and he said it's different than the one on your driver's license, and said something to the effect of, they give you 30 days to fix that. And I said, screw them, they can kiss my butt. What did he say? I looked him right in the eyes. He said nothing. Yeah. <laughs> he was probably scared for you. No, I think that he was he was being kind of a smarty, you know, and, uh, you know, as though, mm. well, I know I've, I've got, you should have this taken care of. <laughs> He's just an authoritarian type being yeah. a smarty at the same time. And, um, you know, eh, I don't want them to know my address. Thank you very much, sir. Two hours later, it was Leanna Onstad of Fort Worth who became the next target of the same two officers. He said, you're under arrest, she said, when she was pulled over without proper proof of insurance on her car, without having it with her. And he turned me around and put handcuffs on me, and I was just like, which, by the way, that just irritates me, the whole I was like, I was like thing. <laughs> <sighs> I was just like, is this really happening? I mean, can they do this? Yeah, they are. Yes, they can. And they'll probably get away with it because nobody's going to stand up for you. You're not going to stand up for yourself. Nobody else is going to stand up for you. And as Sam said, they're going to go and fix their driver's license, and they're going to go and do whatever it is the state demands that they do. They're going to pay whatever fines are they are demanded uh, to, to be paid. And those two cops are going to go out the next day, and they're going to do it 5, 10, or 15 more times to 10 or 15 other people. To a population that's more used to it, because these ladies are also going to tell all their friends about how they got arrested mm. for these minor offenses. And, it, and it'll just get people more and more used to this kind of outrageous behavior on behalf of police. And when they look at this and they're so shocked and surprised, uh, they may ask themselves if anything could be done about it. And what's the answer going to be? No, what can we possibly do about it? These are the cops. You can't fight City Hall. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number for you to bring up whatever you want is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, they are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com features including the Shrine of Female Listeners. Dozens of ladies taking their time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See what it's all about. Shrine.freetalklive.com. If you've got some unwanted or unused kids items or baby items in, in your home, just go to twosmallforme.com and give them away to somebody who needs them. It's two, the, letter, the number two, excuse me, the numeral two, small, the numeral four, me.com. You can save money by grabbing donated items. They have coupons and freebies on the site uh, in addition, and it's uh, e easy to use. All the features on the site are absolutely free. Don't trash it. Pass it. Too small for me.com. So I've said in the past on this program that uh, the point at which America really went bad was when the first regulation was obeyed. Was when the, when the first regulation was put down, when the first law was put down that didn't have anything to do with you know, a, a murder or rape or some crime that involves a victim. A victim when, the, yeah. when the first victimless crime law was put in place, speeding or stopping or whatever it might have been, it was probably a long time ago, something silly. 
you know, no chewing gum on the street, whatever it might have been. When it was first obeyed, that was when things went wrong, because when Americans looked at a law and they said to themselves, well, that's not, that's not so unreasonable. And then the next one they said, oh, that's well, not so unreasonable. And then the next one, and before you know it, you've got thousands of laws. Before you know it, you have thousands of pages upon millions of pages of laws in this country that nobody even knows what all of the laws are. And the, the penalties become more and more draconian over time. Who would think they'd be thrown in the back of a police car and arrested because they didn't have an updated uh, address on their driver's license? Who would think they would be arrested because they didn't come to a complete stop or in this case one woman uh, again the story from wfaa.com one woman was pulled over for creeping her car past a pedestrian crossing line who would think that this would these kinds of offenses would result in an arrest these ladies certainly didn't think so they were very shocked when they were arrested for these uh, so-called offenses in fact uh, neither woman had outstanding warrants or had ever even been to jail. Yet Stokes said she spent two hours behind bars. Jeez. Onstott said she spent five hours in jail before being able to post an eight, or excuse me, six hundred dollar bond. However, none of that was what Onstott said was the worst part of her arrest. She said they asked me to take off my clothes. Onstott was then forced to put on jail clothes. Dehumanizing. Both women have been filed, uh, have filed internal affairs complaints against the two Irving police officers. While Irving police officials said their concerns are being taken seriously and will be thoroughly investigated. Oh yeah. They also said the officers were within their rights to make the arrests. So you already have the answer as to what the investigation is going to, uh, deter- to determine about these cops. They're by the book. Everything's fine here. Those women deserve to be in a jail cell for not updating their uh, driver's license. They deserve to be in a jail cell for not coming to a full and complete stop. This is America. You can't just get away with that stuff. And, of course, a lot of people are going to nod their heads and say, yeah, those are the laws. This is the law. If, you, if everybody, and this, is, this much is true, if everybody obeyed all the traffic laws out there, we'd probably have a much safer road. Um, but... You know, really, do we need this whole revenue generation for the state in order, you know, catching people doing little minor things? Wouldn't it just be better if people that caused other people harm had to pay for it? The discretion that was used, the decision to make the arrests, it's well within their authority to do that, said the police spokes bureaucrat. I don't know that you could say it's common, but it's not unheard of. But just give them time. It'll be common before you know it. Mm-hmm. It won't be long before people are regularly arrested for running stop signs yep. and speeding it's, or whatever. It's that whole frog in the, on the you know on the on the stovetop thing where they just turn it up degree by degree. We've had on this the show we've had people write in who were in their forties and fifties and said, "Well, I used to drive my dad's car on the roads at twelve years old." You can't even. I mean, it would be nightly news if some kid got caught at twelve years old driving a car now, but. You know, some point in American history, not too long ago, just a few decades ago, 12-year-old kids drove their cars to school, drove their dad's car to school. At a similar point in history, it wasn't unusual for a policeman to offer someone who is drunk, too drunk to drive, a ride home. Whereas now, if you're uh, even sitting in your car with the key in the ignition, not going anywhere, just trying to keep the heat on to keep the cold uh, out of your bones, they'll arrest you for that. So I mean, it's just gone. It's just gone so insane. Not but most people just, aren't aware of just it. Just sitting in your car, running, for, leaving your car running for too long, is against the law. In a lot of places, yeah, yeah, that's true. 
Uh, regardless of how the investigation turns out, both women said their faith in the Irving police has been shattered. One of the women says, I think if someone can't get them to stop abusing power and pulling people over and doing stuff like this because they think they have the right to, then they don't need to be in that job. Onstott warned motorists that as long as officers can arrest whoever they want for what they want, Irving is not a desirable place to drive. She said, I just want to know why they didn't give me a ticket. The public needs to know that it's happening, and it could happen to them if it happened to me. And she's right about that. The public does need to know that this stuff is happening, because most of them don't. Or most of them will blow it off. Oh, well, I obey the traffic rules, so it's no problem. Not only do the, does the public need to know this, but the public needs to be upset about it. And I don't think we're to that point yet. No, no they still think the traffic laws keep us safe. There are some people in the general public that are upset about certain things the police do, like, you know, if you've been arrested for marijuana possession or something like that, uh, you might be upset about the war on drugs. You might be upset about the police's enforcement of those laws, but you might also believe You that- know, I'm not sure about that. I, you know, I talked to my next-door neighbor uh, back in Sarasota, Florida. He was a 50- or 60-year-old man who mm-hmm. uh, got caught smoking a joint, um, you know, either at, right after work or on the way home from work or whatever. What was his attitude? He had a possession of mar- so he got a possession of marijuana charge. They didn't give him a driving while intoxicated. Okay, um, so I don't know exactly what the the circumstances were, but his attitude was, you know, like he was essentially apologizing to me. I deserved it, that kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. And I'm like, Johnny, what the heck did you? You didn't do anything wrong. All you did was have a joint after work. Mm. I mean, it's is that any different than slugging back three scotches? It's probably and safer. Like, and he's like, Yeah, you're right. You're right. So he, you know, he changed his attitude once I said it. But, but until was, you said something. Right. He was prepared to apologize to me, his next door neighbor, yeah. for having gotten caught smoking marijuana, and he's ashamed. Wow. No. And I wouldn't let him. So I'm not so sure that people are um, even ready to do that. I mean, you know. The, You're probably right, Mark. The, 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 most people, <laughs> you know, they, they, they're, they're conditioned to apologize. Sure. Well, Master's very angry. And you don't want Master to be angry at you, do you? So supplicate Master. And bow down and and uh, offer uh, offer up your hard earned money so Master will leave you alone next time. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I think that uh, we're moving in the right direction with getting activists together who are willing to say no, who are willing to uh, no longer go along with the absurdities of the state. And hopefully, as that begins to occur more often, that those regular folks will start to notice. And they'll start to become empowered by it, and they'll start to find some level of courage to try to say no themselves. Because the activists can really have an effect, and I think it's going to be great, the effect that the activists are having and will have. But what we really need to do is bring regular people on board with this movement. We need to bring regular people on board to the point where they're willing to say no to the uh, the, 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 the ludicrousness of all of these government rules and regulations. Until we get to that point, it's going to be a, a tough road to hoe. Yep. Your thoughts at 800-259-9231. So set the example. Be the change you wish to see in the world. That's the way this is going to happen. Don't expect somebody else to do it for you. You have to pick up the ball, and you have to run with it, and you have to live your life the way you think it should be run, not the way they think it should be run. But that requires taking some risks. If you want reward, you do have to take risks. And I know they teach us in government school to not take risks. They say, whoa, whoa, you want to take it easy. You want to make sure you get a nice, easy job so you can work there for the whole life, your whole life so you can retire and you can take it easy. Don't take any risks because you could get hurt if you take risks. And that's true. 
But if you want something significant to happen, then you've got to put something on the line. I'm not saying put it all on the line. That's what I'm saying. Baby steps. Just a little bit of no's. Just a, just a no here and there. Start with asking questions, as Sam suggested earlier. Start asking a whole bunch of questions. Start saying, no, I won't participate. No, I will not obey. And I'm willing to face whatever consequences you throw at me. Eventually, they'll run out of money. They won't be able to put everybody in jail. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You dial in, bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line, and you can bring up anything. That is the point of the program. It's Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Do you like the show? You want to help support Free Talk Live? Shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So whatever it is you need to buy in life, whether it's brand new or used in the dozens of categories that Amazon has, just enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and a cut will go to Free Talk Live. We go to your phone calls about whatever you want. It's Stephen in Colorado. Stephen, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi there. Well, I am a a pre-state project member, but uh, some circumstances have come up to where I'm going to have to be moving back to my home state of Florida. Oh, no. Um... Yeah, uh, well, I have sick in-laws who probably aren't going to be around very much longer. Mm, gotcha. So um, when I'm down in Florida, what I'm going to be doing is restarting my boat repair business. I had one in Seattle back about 10 years ago. Okay. Uh, and I was talking to somebody who he used to also own a, a boat repair business on the mechanical side, whereas I do electrical electronics. And uh, we were talking about, you know, freedom and, you know, the concepts of liberty and, you know, vis-a-vis a boat repair business. And I said, well, man, you know what we could do? We could uh, uh, take cash, check, credit card, gold, silver, or alternate currencies, you know, like the Liberty Dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys were talking about that last night, and I just I wondered uh, where the rubber meets the road, how that would work, in your opinion. In other words, if, I, if Ian, if you had a boat and I came to you and I fixed it, and I said, well, you know, I take silver and gold, would would this, like, automatically be kind of an on-the-side deal out of the, the scope of the government and, you know, I would not charge you tax and so forth? How, how do you think that would work with a rubber meets the road? Uh, well, I mean, if you don't want to charge me tax, I'm sure as hell more likely to do business with you. I mean, if, if I'm already considering doing business with you and you're going to tell me that if I pay in gold that I won't have to pay tax? Uh, right, right. Like... But what I'm, what I'm kind of getting at is, is it like an automatic assumption in your mind? You know, if you see an ad where a guy says, hey, by the way, I also take gold and silver – do you automatically in your mind assume that, hey, man, maybe this guy is like one of us, you know? And Seems like a safe assumption. Do. Yeah, I, I would think it seems so, that yeah. way. To me I, I, that's kind of what I think, too. That's kind of why I, I want to put that in our advertising. Mm. And then again, maybe I don't – maybe I might not want to because I might I, I might attract the attention of the authorities that way, too. So <sighs> I, I just kind of wanted to bang that off you to see what you guys thought. That's a good question. I mean, what would the authorities uh, be able to do about that? Right, I mean, if right. you want to do business in uh, something other than the U.S. dollar, I don't think there's anything illegal about that as long as you're still accepting the U.S. dollar should someone wish to pay in it. That's that's what the legal tender law says, that businesses and people who, uh, who if you owe debt, if you owe a debt, it must be able to be paid in, a U, uh, in the uh, denominated in U.S. dollars. But that doesn't mean that you can accept payment in other things. But I think if... Right. We... Now, let, let me throw this out there, too. There is that one famous... Uh, case uh, where the guy was, I think a Las Vegas company was paying his employees in 
gold and silver and wasn't, you know, wasn't paying any taxes or they weren't paying any taxes. I, I don't know the details. Mm-hmm. And you guys mentioned that. That's federal income said. tax. Uh, it's different than state sales tax. And I don't think that there is state sales tax on bartered items. Uh, at least that my experience wasn't that so it wasn't so in Florida. Okay. And, right. and paying and employees, those are legal terms. You know the difference? Oh, you know, that's true. That's true. Do you know the difference between a, a word and a legal term? A legal term. Uh, a legal well, term no, has been <laughs> okay. A legal term has been defined by the legislator. A, a word is a word until it's been defined by the legislator. Then it becomes this legal term, and it means whatever they say it means. So okay. an employee and, and you know, probably means somebody who's subject to withholding to that's, that's to filling out point. a W two form. So if you're going and, and to I offer, have, uh, it, hold on one second. If you're going to I'll offer go, your sure, services in gold and silver. What you might want to do is make it clear that you're not they're not paying for that, but they're bartering. Mm. Yeah, okay, that's a good point. Um, uh, one of the things that you guys mentioned, uh, just I have thoughts racing through my head, was that the reason why those folks in uh, in Las Vegas were was got off was because they were paying in gold and silver, yes, but they weren't paying in like ingots or something. They were paying in U.S. denominated silver and gold coinage. And I, I believe that was one of the technicalities that enabled them to get off. Right. I don't yeah. recall much about that case, but it was it was a nice case. Essentially, they yeah. didn't have to. Uh, the, the IRS put, basically couldn't handle processing gold, right, or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I, I think yeah. that in this case, um, the, the one in Nevada where they um, yeah, yeah I, they were paying with in U.S. currency, but it was like ten dollar gold pieces. So they were sure. paying their employ- oh. They were paying these contractors significantly less then they would normally get paid hourly in U.S. currency, but that U.S. currency happened to be gold, and therefore it was uh, you know, worth significantly more. So they managed to win that one. That makes sense. The be- most technical of technicalities. Because the U.S. – okay, I'm seeing where you're coming from. Because the, the mint, the U.S., the government mint, when they mint an ounce of silver or an ounce of gold, they'll put a – you know, if it's an ounce of silver, they'll put a $1 amount on it or something like that, something. even though it's, right. it's an ounce of silver, so it's worth 15 So what you're saying is – Mark, they, if, if you did a job for me, it was a contractor job, and it was worth $15, let's mm-hmm. say you tore down my fence, and uh, it was $15, and I paid you $1 for the job, yeah, I give you a, a dollar, but it's an ounce of silver that says a dollar on it, then you've been paid $15 effectively, but legally only paid $1. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep, exactly. Okay. But yeah, I like Sam's suggestion that if you're going to be doing something, uh, some business with a customer as far as boat repair is concerned, call it barter and don't call it payment. And business yeah, is a, business is another legal term. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Sam, I mean, I, I was stepping all over you. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, oh I no, no, that's okay. There's there's a delay with the phone sometimes. It's hey, tough. thank you, okay, Stephen, for the cool. call. Good luck down there in our former sunshine state of Mark and mine. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We continue here. Talk to John in New Hampshire. John, you're on Free Talk Live with the Insane Mark. Hey, John. Hey, uh, less than thirty years ago, and I'm an old hockey player back in the day, so I was kind of tuned into this. And when Mark mentioned the frog on the stove, which has to do with the boiling water, if you turn it up slowly enough, the mm-hmm. frog doesn't notice. Well, less than thirty years ago, uh, hockey related, the USA uh, Olympic team beat the USSR the old Soviet Union, they beat them in the Olympic game, and the whole nation over here went wild. Well, why did that happen? It wasn't over the hockey game. It was a cultural thing. And the cultural thing was that we supposedly had freedom here, and they didn't. We're number one. We're better than they are. Go team. 
Yeah. So so over there, they, they had to have permission to do anything with their home. They had to have permission to do anything with their business. Uh, the government spied on the citizens, and not only that, they encouraged people to snitch on one another. There was a papers, please mentality. You had to have mm-hmm. papers everywhere you went. Well, guess what, folks? We've got all of that here and more. Sure do. So wake up. We don't live in a free country anymore. Uh, this is really, really sad. Well, John, times have changed. I mean, come on. This Boy, is, have they. This is post-9-11. We, we can't just have all this freedom anymore. Freedom is not free, sir. Yeah, it all changed in 9-11. Well, what happened uh, 9-11 just a couple of years ago, this took, uh, you know, it, this has been going on for a long time. It's incremental. Like Mark was referring to, it's like the frog in the pot. Just keep, just just turn it up a little bit at a time, folks, yep. and everybody can stay asleep. You know, somebody called the other night. I like the way the guy said it. You can only, and hopefully this is true, you can only rape somebody who's asleep so many times before they wake up. Folks, wake up. You're getting raped. Yeah, how, how many more times is it going to take? Us, raping us, kicking us, abusing us. What the hell is it going to take? Thank you, John, for the call tonight. Good thoughts. 800-259-9231. It's, it's just so frustrating because so many people are so obedient and so docile. And as you were saying, uh, was it during the break when you were telling the story about your neighbor, Mark? The, uh, your no, neighbor, I, think, I think I was talking on here. Your neighbor who was uh, basically apologizing for being uh, busted for marijuana. There was somebody else that, that was apologizing. I think this one of them was off the air. One of, uh, somebody right. was apo- a, friend of, a friend of mine uh, told me via IM that his, uh, his roommate had you know, been very apologetic about his DUI that he got before he ever put the key in the ignition of the one car. One of those. You know, and yeah. it, that's, it's just how we're you know, trained to be. I don't, I, I, I don't have any explanation for it. People don't question it. And they need to start doing that. And they need to start saying, no, before it hits home, don't wait until you've been, as John suggested, raped uh, you know, a thousand times. Stop it now. Tell, tell the government that you've had enough and that you're not going to put up with it anymore. Because if people just stop putting up with it, then they wouldn't be able to get away with it. They do what they do by your consent. I know that it's hard to believe that that's true, but it's by consent. Sure, I tried to withdraw my <laughs> consent from the system and they threw me in a jail <laughs> <that> cell. <laughs> but it's on a wholesale scale. It's on a, uh, it's on a society-wide scale. It's by everyone's consent. As long as most people are consenting, as long as the supermajority of people are consenting, then they'll still be successful. But if 1%, if 1% of people were to stop, uh, stop putting up with this, were to stop giving them their tacit approval for what they do, then there would be a tremendous burden upon the system and they wouldn't be able to handle it anymore. It would melt down. 1%. That's 250 people here in Keene, New Hampshire. That's not a lot. 250 people can, I think, work some miracles. Hour 3 is coming up. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized a contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online from my desk with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam too. Remember that code? 
code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. W-E-B-E-X.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into Hour 3. You can dial in toll-free and bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Again, all the features there are completely free. freetalklive.com. I'm going to go into the email box here to an email from Slacker. Last hour we were talking about how these police are just... They're just ruining people's lives. They're arresting people for innocuous things like running a stop sign. They're, of course, we know that they're putting over 800,000 people a year in jail for marijuana possession. Some of them know that uh, what they're doing is hurting people, but it's the law, they say. I'm just doing my job. And that's what Slacker wants to write about. It's the law. It's the cop-out line of all time, says Slacker. When people see the government oppressing others, they cop right out and excuse the government's malevolence with three little words. It's the law. And then they're done thinking. In fact, it's not just uh, the regular people that'll use the it's the law excuse, and not just the police, but it's the city councilors and people like that, the bureaucrats uh, that are running the programs, the politicians. We had a city councilor here in Keene, New Hampshire, recently say that it's not stealing, it's the law. In regards to taking somebody's house from them. Look, I don't care what it says on your piece of paper. When you take something that's not yours, and you don't have permission to take that something, that's stealing. You, you know, the, the, I think the shortest way to go um, against that one is to ask them, which came first, crime or the law? Ooh, that is a good question. And then, you should yeah. make notes and call on a Saturday morning, Mark. <laughs> well, I, I mean, there, there there are longer routes to trying to uh, pop the rivets on that argument, but you know, maybe maybe they have to, you know, maybe asking them questions about our way to go. Well, I want to know if somebody is uh, convicted of a crime and they're sentenced to death and given the death penalty, they go through death row and they are put to death and their life is taken from them. Is that not taking their life? No, apparently not. It's the law. Oh. Okay. Right. Uh, so people, as Slacker says, don't seem to care about right and wrong anymore. Or they confuse right and wrong with legal and illegal. If it's legal, it must be right. And if it's illegal, then it must be wrong. And it somehow has become the government's job to determine what is right and wrong through the legal system. It's crazy. Throughout human history, there are many examples of the law being used to do some of the most heinous crimes against other humans ever. And people still fall back on that same lame and failed argument. It's still valid to them these days. And we've had people bring that point up uh, when they've called this local talk show run by these politicos here in, in town. They've, they've made this point to the status that, look, back in Nazi Germany, it was the law to throw Jews in ovens. Would you have enforced that law? Oh, well, we got rid of that. So, or, or well, with slavery, you can bring up, uh, you know, chattel slavery, you can bring up the, you know, the, the segregation, those laws, you can bring up all these terrible laws from the past, and they'll just blow them off as, well, we've gotten rid of those. So See, you can't accuse us of that. So that's it. We've solved all the problems of the world, and all the bad laws have been fixed. 
Well, no, you may actually you may actually get them to admit that they don't personally agree with, for instance, the the prohibition on marijuana or, or some other law that they don't agree with. But they'll still agree with enforcing that law while it's still illegal. So you agree with enforcing slavery while slavery? No, was we legal. fixed that. But but it was when it was legal, it was okay to own slaves. It was okay to beat the crap out of them well, and leave them bleeding in the I dirt think... because they were a different color. Was that all right? No, we changed it. No, no. I mean, when it was legal, was it good? Was I wasn't it okay? around then. Yeah, but you're around right now, and we haven't changed this. Is yeah. it okay? It's the law. It was the law then. <laughs> what, what's wrong with you? Are you not listening to the words coming out of my mouth? Sure, they're listening, Mark, but yeah. they just don't want to. They just don't to, care. It doesn't they, affect them. They've changed it, them. but did, when the laws were on the books, did people think it was wrong then? Obviously not, because they were on the books and people were not standing up and speaking out against it. People don't seem to care, he says, and it somehow has become the government's job to determine what's right and wrong. Throughout human history, there are many examples of the law being used to do some of the most heinous things, but people still fall back on that argument. It still seems that, or it seems rather, that people either don't make the connection, or they don't understand that, or they just deny the fact that throughout history it was the law that made slaves of people. It was the law that displaced millions of people from their homelands. It's the law that has been used to commit genocide all over the world. Most notably, it was the law that led to sending Jews, gypsies, and other undesirables to the ovens and gas chambers. It was the law that killed millions in the old Soviet bloc nations. It was the law that prevented my mother and father from going to the same grade school, eating at the same diner, or having their clothes washed at the same cleaners, or drinking at the same water fountain. It was the law, and the people who supported and made them... Uh, the, the the people who supported them and made the, and made them did that to these people. It's the law that's been used to deny, disregard, and ignore the natural-born rights of others, instead of doing as intended and protecting these rights of ours. And it's your fault. It is you that asks for these things from your leaders. It is you that gets them when there's enough of you crying out loud enough. It's you that says there ought to be a law. It's you that demands that the government interject itself into the private affairs of your neighbors because you don't like what they do. It's you that doesn't want to take responsibility for your life, and it's you that expects the government to steal from your neighbors so they can take care of you. It's you who want to rule over others through the government's laws. Now, obviously, some of us have moved on beyond that, but I think that those statements apply to a lot of Americans. And he's making such a great point here. I love this. Society is exactly the way most people think it should be because it's just a reflection of your own beliefs and government has been created out of people's belief that this is necessary, that this keeps us safe. Now it's gotten out of hand a little bit, but and the the government mechanism has sort of taken over the government schools and taught people that this is okay and mm -hmm. they've grown up with it and it's just kind of grown from there. But still, it's because people believe that this is the way it's supposed to be that it is. So if we can change those beliefs, then we can change it, everything. Then, then we don't have to change it. If we change those beliefs, then It'll the world will own. just change on its own. We as humans, says Slacker, only have a few rights that need protection. So why do we have so many laws? What are those laws doing other than violating the rights of this person or that group of people? Well, I would interject that those laws, by violating those rights, create new cases for lawyers to get involved with. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And lawyers, there's, 
the ones who are writing the laws anyway. Right. The lawyers get to benefit the most. And, of course, it also creates new government bureaucrat jobs as well. So it expands the purview of the existing bureaucrats and, you know, gives them more little bureaucrats to have as underlings and expand their power and their, uh, their purview. He says that all of humanity's real crimes have been forbidden by civilized societies for millennia. Yet over that time, we now have tomes and tomes of law that we as citizens are expected to know, despite the fact that nobody knows all of the laws, not even the people who make and enforce them. The idea of ignorance of the law is no excuse was implemented during a time when the rule of law was more along the lines of the rule of rights, a time when you knew you were doing wrong if you stole another's property, committed fraud against them, or assaulted or killed them. No sane person could commit any of those crimes, then stand in judgment and claim, I didn't know. It was not meant for a time when you would be expected to know how high you can build your fence, how long your grass can be, whether you can water your grass and on which days, how big to build your garage or deck or porch, what you can sell or not sell with or without a license, the tint on your car's windows. The list goes on. Your leaders have used the law at your request to become your rulers. So don't complain when they rule you. You asked for it and you got it from Slacker. I love that email. That was great. That was, it was well done. I've been holding on to that one for almost a year. 800. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do get a lot of emails, and there's no we guarantee do. your email is going to get read even close to the time you send it. Yep. Uh, so one or eight, read it all. 1-800-259-9231. So, again, tying into this, this overarching conversation we've been having tonight about how it is that this system exists because you allow it to exist because you refuse to do anything about it. And don't tell me, well, I'm doing something. I'm running for uh, state uh, state senator here in uh, in state of Florida, and we're gonna get we're gonna get elected. And we're gonna change the system. Don't tell me that's doing something about it. Because, Hasn't worked. It no. has not worked. I mean, that's what's gotten us to this point. People have been running candidates for the longest time. The Libertarian Party's been trying it for three decades, more than three decades now. And where have they gotten? It's time, so It's time for something different, and it's happening right here in New Hampshire, and you can come be a part of it. You can. Freestateproject.org is the, the website there. You can also dial in and bring up whatever's on your mind, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. If you want this society to change, you're going to have to change how you behave and how you believe. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in and bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. And those features include the wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. You can get interactive and edit virtually anything you see there at wiki.freetalklive.com. Join more than half a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. Incorporate your business. Create your will or a living trust, even register a trademark, empowering you, protecting you with common legal documents that people trust. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save $10 off your order. It's LegalZoom.com. 800-259-9231. Horse massage. We'll talk about it coming up. But first, to Jeff in Texas. Jeff, you're on. (laughs) You're right. Jeff, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Um, I basically wanted your opinion, especially because Sam's there. I got a a ticket about three weeks ago in Dallas for not having a uh, state inspection sticker. Okay. And the ticket for that's like 180 bucks. And Jeez. I'm thinking of going and doing a jury trial wow. to hopefully waste some of their money. Okay. And, and I'm just wondering, 
is it likely that I'll pay more than the 180 bucks if I do that? Yes. You will pay court costs, you'll pay jury costs, and they will also um, charge you the officer's rate at overtime. So, like, for each of those speeding tickets, the t- total bill for those guys was about 400 bucks for each wow. one. Wow. So, so I'd be looking at, like, like maybe 1000 bucks or more. No, no. Those, you, huh? it, I would imagine about 400 roughly. Oh, 400 total? Yeah. So, for me, but the, that's to if you do pay those, it. Yeah, that's if you pay it. If not, though, I mean, they're going to throw you in jail, you and, to jail and you don't yeah. have the activists down there, so what can you do? Yeah, and that's, that's, uh, that kind of drives me crazy. What kills me, too, is that I've gotten one of these before, and you used to be able to go down, get your inspection, and then go down to the court and show them you got it, pay mm-hmm. 10 bucks, and you're on your way. It's it not like that now? It says that you can do that. Pardon me? It's not like that now? No, it still says that on the back of the ticket that you signed, but now when I went down there to, to do this, the... The tax eater behind the desk told me, uh, no, no, we changed that about a year and a half ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. the ticket's still wrong, and uh, <laughs> no, you're just going to have to get a court date or just mail it in, mail in the payment. What? So we changed all of our rules but didn't bother to update the uh, the ticket to let you know about that. That's nice. Uh, um, yeah, no, please. Look, look up the – see if you can – <laughs> it might be worth looking up the statute in the law. And addressing that with a motion to the court, I don't know if how much she was lying. The bureaucrat could be lying. Well, just just doing this in pretrial can get this ticket quashed. You would want to, if I were doing this and I found that this motion was or this uh, statute was still on the books, I would file a motion to quash, saying um, I went and got the the vehicle inspected. It passed. It was before the ten days as authorized by this such and such statute. Uh, you know, this this claim should be dismissed. Um, all right. Is there? Well, I'll I'll figure out how to look up the statute. I guess I don't want to take up your t- guys' time doing. Yeah, that, that right wouldn't now, make but... great radio. Yeah, there's. <laughs> that's no. a diff- I mean, it's always difficult reading through legalese. I can understand how frustrating this must be, but if if you are willing to challenge it, that's what you have. That's the road you have to go down. And of yep. course, all of these statutes are available online, so it's it's easier today than it's been in the past. It's not saying much, but it is easier. You can go usually, and you can use a search uh, term in the the online statute. So it's certainly not like going down to a law library and 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 actually lifting books off the shelf. What, what you would really need to do is get uh, like the LexisNexis uh, annotated um, traffic codes, which would have not only the the statutes in there, but also the relevant case law. Yeah, but so don't forth. you have to pay for that? That's about a hundred bucks. So <laughs> it's a hundred eighty bucks to pay off the ticket, or hundred yeah. bucks for the LexisNexis. It's, it's a lose lose when you deal with government, right? What can I say? Yeah, anytime you encounter, I think it's important to, uh, to point out for folks that even if you supposedly win in the government's courtroom, you've still lost. Because they've sucked away your free time, and in many cases they'll suck away hundreds of uh, of your dollars. And as you've pointed out, uh, uh, Jeff in Texas, you've pointed out that they make it so it's financially more feasible to just pay and move along than it is to actually take the uh, the situation to a trial and go through that process. Because as you say, if you lose the trial, then you're looking at four or five hundred dollars instead of a hundred and eighty dollars. So if you're not willing to go to jail over not paying the fines then it's probably easier to just go ahead and pay up. Though, if you can take Sam's suggestion and and, uh, and and file some sort of motion that makes them throw it out, then you don't have to go to trial. That would be, I guess, an ideal situation. One of the things they did in my case, um, if they're going to bring an action against you in court, they have to, according to the statutes, have a sworn criminal complaint that's, that initiates the court action. 
in my in all three of the cases, the speeding tickets, they didn't bother to do that. Now, I brought this up to them at trial, but the judge told me, well, you, you should have filed a motion to quash at pretrial, and then the tickets would have been dismissed. But again, because <laughs> I didn't known, know right? that, yeah. you know, then he said, now it's too late. So that may be something else you want to look into. A uh, sworn criminal complaint, you have to... Um, you would, I guess you would have to go look at the case file, see that it's not in there, and file a motion to quash, again, based on that, if that's the route you want to take. Does that make any and sense to you, Jeff? Where would you just say, uh, look at the case file? Clerk's office? Would that be the clerk? You, clerk of court? <coughs> for the, the case file? I'm sorry, the case file, yes. You would just go down to the, uh, the, the municipal court and ask them to see the case file. And, and you also... Again, <laughs> There's just so much to this because it's the government bureaucracy. You would need to know and be prepared with a uh, open records request that you know you can file with them if they were if they're going to give you grief because they could give you a hard time, right? Yeah. I mean, they're not used to people coming in and and asking for these things, right? But the, in Texas, there's a really clear statute that says all court proceedings shall be public. But you have to be willing to stand on that. You have to w- be willing to stand there and cite that statute and say, well, this says this. You're not, are you sure you're not going to let me uh, And look then at be this ready to call the police to arrest the court clerk. <laughs> so. <laughs> Good luck out there, Jeff, and let us know how it goes, okay? That's cool. And Thanks. next time I'm calling back about the IRS that uh, is coming after me. Oh, oh boy. boy. All right. We'll look forward to that one. Thanks for the call, dude. Good luck. 800-259-9231 to Cody in Arizona. Cody, you're on Free Talk Live. Cody, um, I just <laughs> take it easy there. Everything okay? <laughs> fell off a fell off his bike. Cody, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he was going to crank us or something. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So horse massage, according to Fox News, Mercedes Clemens is certified to massage humans, but she claims the state of Maryland is keeping her from her first love, massaging horses. And no, we're not talking about erotic massage. She shut down her equine massage practice in a Washington suburb after state officials told her that state law only allows veterinarians to perform such services. Now she's suing. There's a state law about massaging horses? (laughs) Come on, Mark. Are you surprised? Way, way, way too much time on their hands. Probably the veterinarians decided they wanted the exclusive deal on this, so they lobbied to have some sort of uh, regulation passed. Remember, the reason why regulations get passed typically is because the existing business owners are lobbying the state to pass the regulations to help ex- to help uh, essentially protect them from competition from the outside, people like her. So these veterinarians probably make a nice a bit of coin off of giving massages to animals, and they didn't want uh, you know they didn't want this woman getting involved. I they don't think veterinarians do ma- do many horse massages. Not Maybe they do in Washington thorough State. Thorough ones. I don't know. Eight hundred Maryland. You're right. Washington suburb. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's DC. All right. More coming up here. We'll give you a little bit more on this story and take your calls about whatever you want. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. If you dial in and take control, bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line, 1-800-259-9231. We've got live streams on our website. 
We've got a broadband version, a dial-up version, and a webcam, all free for you. Head over to listen.freetalklive.com to enjoy those for free. That's listen.freetalklive.com. As we continue to discuss horse massage, I didn't know such a thing existed, but it does. And Mercedes Clemens uh, is certified in massaging horse, or rather massaging humans, but apparently she's not allowed, according to the state government of Maryland, to massage horses. In fact, she's suing two state agencies over this, saying regulators are unfairly barring registered massage therapists who want to practice on animals. The state officials had told her that state law only allows veterinarians to perform such services. Animal massage regulations vary from state to state, with some only allowing veterinarians to practice. Clemens' case is being closely watched by those in the animal massage industry who say business has grown steadily along with interest in other alternative treatments and pampering for pets. Equinology Incorporated, a Guadalajara, California-based massage school, says when it began operating about 15 years ago, a couple hundred people took its horse massage therapy courses. Now almost 900 sign up each year. Company vice president said there were just a few schools when his company started, but estimates there are now about 50 across the country. The National Board of Certification for Animal Acupressure and Massage plans to start an online exam next month to create credential standards, among other things, that will test massage techniques, anatomy, ethics, and animal behavior. A self-described horse fanatic, Ms. Clemens, age 40, got private animal massage certification about two years ago and started practicing on horses, eventually growing her business to about 30 regular horse clients. She likes to help soothe the animals and work through their sore and tight muscles. Now... Well, I, you know, I suppose, as creepy and weird as all this sounds, that it, it makes some sense if you're talking about, like, race horses that would be the, the uh, you know, the professional athletes of their Well, some horses could species. be old. You could have an old horse that is uh, injured and getting I suspect old. you just shoot them. Well, some people don't think that way about their animals, Mark. They love, a lot of these people love their animals, and they, uh, you know, they're not, they're not willing to put them out of their misery. They want to hire a massage therapist to help them feel better, and they should be able to do that. And this is just a case of the horse massage industry group not being as powerful as the veterinarians industry group. Pretty much. And the veterinarians know that, well, if we let them start massaging horses, where will they go next? Now she works only on her own horse, Chanty. She says, it's not just a career for me, it's my passion, said Clemens. If I was independently wealthy and I didn't need an income, I'd do it for nothing. That's how much I love it. In a March letter to Clemens, the Maryland Board of Chiropractic Examiners told her that state law is very specific in barring massage therapists from practicing on animals. The Chiropractic Board also included a note from Maryland's State Veterinary Board reminding chiropractors and massage therapists of the restrictions. Clemens says she's never made medical claims or tried to be a substitute veterinarian. Nevertheless, she was so concerned about facing prosecution or losing her human massage license that she pulled her advertisements about her horsework and ended her equine practice and this is how business gets killed in america this is how entrepreneurs who have the spirit to create their own business who have the uh, the 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 drive the passion to create their own business and provide a product or service to the marketplace that may or may not be in demand but uh, people wanted to pay for it so who cares Right, absolutely. I, I, I'm certainly not shooting that down. It seems rather odd to me, but I would if you've got I some, encourage somebody to uh, you know do it if they think feel if, like I make a living. The fact is, these are probably some very rich people who spend eighty to a hundred thousand dollars on racehorses, mm-hmm. and if they want to pay somebody two hundred bucks to come out and massage their horses 
more power to you. Yep. Well, that's just it. The veterinarian will probably charge two hundred. She might only charge eighty. Or oh no, the veterinarian like will probably charge four hundred. Right, but that's just it. This is how businesses are killed in America. There's a lot more muscles yep. in a horse than there are in a human, or at least they're bigger. Good point. So I'm. I'm she I'm said thinking, she'd do it free. Yeah, I understand. She <laughs> she's not telling. She's probably not telling the truth. She certainly wouldn't do it as often. I'm not saying that Chancey doesn't get his little yeah. butt butt rubbed uh, plenty, but um, it's. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying you're probably not going to get her to drive out to your house and oh, could you rub down these three horses here in these three stalls and um, you know when, while you're at it, give them some water and then she's going to li- no no that doesn't sound right to me. So people are compensated for you know things even if they enjoy doing. Them. This is a perfect example though. This one story is a perfect example of how it is that across the board people are dissuaded from starting their own businesses, dissuaded from being entrepreneurial. We talked about before how the government education or government indoctrination system encourages people to not take risks. And being an entrepreneur is about taking risks. It's about stepping outside of your comfort zone and and starting out and doing something you've never done before, starting your own business, offering a product or service to the marketplace. But when you start to to look into what it's going to take to start your own business, most people want to do it on the up and up, right? Well, they don't. Uh, that's not it. I, I think in this case, she 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 said she's worried about losing her license to massage humans. So yeah. that's her. That's how she makes her money. So because the government has set up all of this licensing and the the way they have gotten into everyday life and tied people into their system, they use that to hold it over their head. Just like we talked about the people getting arrested for running a stop sign in the beginning, they can just. Use the use the system against people to force compliance because they're scared. They're scared of what might happen to them if they do what they love to do. In her to, case, she wants to, to me. She doesn't sound very darn creative. Personally, what do you mean? I would uh, I would start a second business where I worked for a uh, a, a veterinarian, as, where I either gave him a uh, a dollar amount per massage that I did, or uh, a monthly amount to uh, basically you know say that I worked for his uh, you know to be employed. It says here you have to be a veterinarian. You have to be a veterinarian. Uh, look, veterinarians this. give sh- uh, the, their assistants give shots. They administer pills. They do all kinds of things. Are done inside a veterinarian's office. I, I all understand. I'm saying is that's what the story says. You know, so I'm I taking understand. its word for this, right? I, I understand. So she was told, "No, you can't," and so she stopped. She was doing it, and then she stopped because she didn't want to put the rest of her livelihood in jeopardy. And in many cases, people don't even start doing their own business because they're just dissuaded because of all the regulations. They see all of the demands and all of the requirements and all of the fees and all of the licensing and all of the, you know, the hoops that somebody has to jump through in order to be legit in the marketplace and they just say to hell with it. I'm just going to go keep working at my uh, you know, $8 an hour job here and or whatever it is that they're currently doing that they're currently comfortable with. You know, I was going to start my own business, but it's just not worth it yeah you know you could do a sole proprietorship but then people can come after you for all of your assets so you need to form a corporation well how many people know how to do corporate taxes all on their own and see that and think of that and and right there their their dream dies yeah they're 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 they're, uh stifled by their you know and and obviously people are ignorant of these things um you know they don't teach you this crap in school and and how could they there's way too much um to even you know get get close to teaching people so then you know then then you realize that well i'm gonna have to get lawyers and they're gonna i know they charge an arm and a leg and i don't know how much and I, I looked at having a lawyer incorporate me, and you know you get across the board each of them talking about different services you couldn't you couldn't even compare apples to apples. Mm-hmm. 
A little more detail here. Uh, she, by the way, again, is suing uh, in this particular case. She's suing two state agencies. She's not asking for damages or compensation. She just wants the right to practice on animals. She wants to do what she loves to do. She says she's being unfairly targeted and that the state allows other animal massage therapists to practice. The Institute for Justice, an Arlington, Virginia-based libertarian public interest law firm, has taken up her case, and they're a good, good group, the, uh, the IJ. Mm-hmm. An attorney for the state chiropractic board said he couldn't comment on ongoing litigation, the state veterinary board wants out of the lawsuit, claiming it never ruled specifically on Clemens's practice. Veterinary board president says his agency doesn't regulate horse massage by non-veterinarians if the aim is solely for helping the animal relax or generally feel better. As Clemens awaits a court hearing, she continues to, jo- to dote on her own horse, feeding her carrots, kissing her nose, and of course, massaging her knots. She says if this was if it was just me it wouldn't really be worth all of this but this is a much bigger constitutional issue and i hope that it works out for her i really do in fact we'll uh, we'll take we'll uh, take another look in here to this case see if there's been any updates on it the, the article i'm sharing here is a little on the old side but i bring it up just as an example of what people have to deal with in order to do what they love in order to follow their heart and their desires they're stopped dead in their tracks by these government regulations and these poor horses have knots in them that are not getting massaged. True. They're not getting <laughs> massaged. Is that a, was that a pun, Sam? The not not getting. Massaged? I don't know. All right, more coming up here. You can bring up whatever you want. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Free Talk Live. What regulations have you been forced to obey? This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it right now. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, learn how to promote Free Talk Live by going to promote.freetalklive.com. Whole list of things that you can do there to help get this show on more radio stations and more internet connections around the world. Go to promote.freetalklive.com. We just uh, finished telling you about a story about Mercedes Clemens. Uh, She lives in Maryland. She has a massage therapy business, and she also was massaging horses until she got a letter from the board of... uh, the, bureau- the bureaucrats that basically regulate the chiropractic and massage industry. And they said, look, you need to stop this or we're pulling your massage license. So she did because she didn't want to lose the rest of her business. And right. she stopped doing what she loves the most, and that is massaging horses. And I said I'd get you an update on the case because the article was from last year. The most recent story, and this I pulled from Mercedes' website, which is thebetteranimal.com. From her website on the news updates page, the most recent story is from the Washington Post with a quick update uh, from a columnist who says that the judge has thrown out her case against the veterinary group but did allow her case to proceed against the chiropractic board. The deadline for discovery as both sides gather information and expert witnesses is in March. So I looked for to see if something had happened since March to see if there was any updates to the case and I couldn't find anything. Although in the last few months, Mercedes Horse Chanty, the only animal she could legally massage, died before the column appeared. I asked whether she'd gotten a new horse, and she said no. Ironically, I can't really afford one now since I lost my business. 
800-259-9231. So Mercedes' case continues to uh, develop here as she uh, sues the government bureaucrats that are preventing her from doing what she loves. Whether she'll be uh, successful remains to be seen. You would think that... uh you know, if she had an existing client base, that she would be able to continue with those people, at least under the table in some manner or another. But, you know, maybe she doesn't want to take the chance. Well, maybe she is, and she's just not telling the the, uh, the news media such things. But Could be. Somebody probably snitched her out, right? I mean, somebody well, saw somebody her. Somebody saw the ad. So Yeah, saw the ad and said, oh, well, she's not a veterinarian. Well, these bureaucrats get the papers, too, you know? Yeah. So if, I just if you're doing a good job advertising yourself, you're advertising yourself to the bureaucrats too. They are they are among us. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So you bring up whatever you want. We switch back to the uh, the t- the topic of it's the law. We've been on this uh, off and on throughout the evening tonight, and I've got a a story from Larkin Rose. He's an author. Uh, went to jail actually because he was a tax freedom advocate and was targeted by the IRS because he was a tax freedom advocate, spent a couple of years in a uh, minimum security federal prison and came out even more radical than when he went in. He came out uh, and started being very, uh, very anti-statist, very pro-freedom, very uh, voluntarist, basically. Uh, he makes regular appearances on our friend Mark Stevens' radio show, uh, which, of course, you can get over at markstevens.net. And we should be adding him back into the Liberty Radio Network soon and working on that. But in the meantime, here's what Larkin has to say in his story. No such thing as a good cop. Gosh. When people act on their own judgment like grown-ups, they're stuck with the responsibility and consequences of their actions. A favorite excuse of people who do stupid and or evil things is, I was just following orders. This amounts to claiming that they were not acting as thinking, judging, responsible beings with free will, but they were acting as unthinking tools of someone else. Put another way, the obeying authority excuse amounts to saying, you can't blame me, I'm just a stupid programmable machine, not a thinking human. And in fact... It's not necessarily exactly accurate that they're just obeying orders. They did choose to obey those orders. So it's not that they're completely unthinking. They did think that, okay, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. So they made that choice. They didn't, they didn't start in that, in that position. Well, they chose to obey those the orders. Fact that, uh, the fact that the vast majority of law enforcement officers are blind to what, they, what, they, what it is that they're doing is you know, nothing more unusual than the vast majority of Americans being blind to what the officers are doing. All they're I'm no more that... evil um, in the sense that uh, they, they're no more responsible for that action than uh, maybe responsible. But they are responsible. That's what I'm pointing out. So are Americans for not doing Something no about doubt it. about it. They are, everybody's responsible for. If you choose to obey orders, you're responsible for whatever it is that you do. The first time that a police officer took somebody in for some, you know, some violation that did not have a uh, victim, well, it's the first time that Americans should have, you know, the, the people of that community should have risen up yeah. and said, "We will not take this. This shall not happen." Now they should be, in my opinion, they should be forgiven for their transgressions, but. That doesn't deny their responsibility. Larkin says people who believe in self-ownership, like voluntarists, don't ever get to use that excuse. You see, we believe that we're endowed with thought and free will and that we are therefore obligated to judge right and wrong for ourselves and obligated to act accordingly. What we do, we do. We don't try to judge, or rather, excuse me, we don't try to dodge responsibility by pretending that we were possessed by someone or something else. If the whole world were like that, even if there remained many differences of opinion, as well as stupidity, carelessness, and or malice, the vast majority of evil would stop. Why? 
because most evil is not committed by people acting on their own judgment, but by people doing what they were told. One of the most serious decisions a thinking person can make is, should I use violence? Most people who are acting on their own will resort to violence only in rare and extreme cases. Those who act as unthinking tools of authority, on the other hand, use force and violence constantly, without hesitation, without any qualms or doubts, and without any guilt or remorse. My suggestion for anyone who uses force is this. Use your judgment, and when you decide to use force, accept the responsibility yourself and face the consequences yourself. Don't hide behind the, he told me to, and other spineless excuses. In other words, grow up and act like an adult. But people in government don't do that. Consider, for example, the fact that a couple million people are in cages right now for possessing narcotics, a term which means mind-altering substances that politicians didn't give their permission to use. Do you think any of the politicians, cops, judges, prison guards, paper pushers, or anyone else in the justice system would ever take personal responsibility for kidnapping someone and putting them in a cage for smoking a joint? No. They all blame the law, as if it's some magical force that possesses their minds, relieving them of all responsibility for their actions. If not for law worship, how many beer drinkers would feel okay about locking someone up for possessing marijuana? Approximately zero. Incidentally, though I don't drink alcohol myself or use any narcotics, I accept that those who do, whether to relax a bit or to get sloshed, have the right to do so. But every cop, judge, politician, or paper pusher who condones the war on drugs and then goes home to chug a few beers or sip on some wine, which is almost every one of them, is a hypocritical, evil coward. Altogether, they form a machine that unjustifiably locks up millions of people, and yet no one in the system accepts responsibility for doing it. You know, it's the old, well, I'm just pressing the button, or I'm just loading the, you know, the carts, or the train cars. I'm not killing anybody. That's why the authority myth is so horribly dangerous. Its acts of violence and evil are very real, but no one believes he's accountable for any of it. I mean, they stole some people's house, or they uh, voted to steal some houses here in Keene, New Hampshire last week, and the city councilors uh, make excuses. Well, it's our it's our responsibility we, as we city councilors to do this. Yeah, we don't have any choice when it gets to this point. We have to. Right. If we don't do this, then people will stop paying taxes and the whole system will crumble. That's but, what they said. But they, well, I think that they might be right. <laughs> I think that they might be right on that issue. Um, however, the uh, they did have a choice because there was a vote. Ahead of time. And they voted in well, favor yeah, of it unanimously. To zero. They said they had to vote that way, though. But who forced them? Well, well, once it gets to that point, they don't have any choice. That's what one of them said. But that doesn't make any sense. They did have a choice because there was a vote. And, well, and no, a vote but it's already, a choice. But it's already gotten to that point, Mark. <laughs> okay, it's, it's the law. It's irresponsibility the law. <laughs> for one's <laughs> actions. <laughs> A rather dramatic example happened at the Nuremberg trials. Yeah, I helped to exterminate innocent people, but I was just following orders. I'm not to blame. And while Americans condemn the Nazis for that cop-out, every law enforcer in this whole country uses the exact same excuse. Hey, I'm just doing my job. I wonder if someone got a job as a cop killer if the boys in blue would just think that's okay. 
they many probably of, wouldn't. Many of my past messages have been about bad cops, but the truth of the matter is there are no good cops. Initiating violence against people who have committed neither force nor fraud, whether it's done under the guise of drug laws, weapons laws, or fining people for not having that little sticker on their cars, as our caller earlier did, or didn't, is unjustifiable force. In other words, committing immoral violence is an unavoidable part of every cop's job. There cannot be a good cop any more than there can See, be a good carjacker. This is where I think that uh, this this argument runs off the trail, off the rails here. I understand where he's coming from. However, what are we gonna if if you get all the good people to quit being cops, then what are we Nobody gonna have? Nobody said quit. Just stop enforcing bad laws. And that's gonna re- really. How long are they gonna stay cops that way? Actually, you'd be surprised. I'd be very very. Surprised I have one example, kept... but I can't tell you about it. Because I've been sworn to secrecy. No. So you'd be surprised. We'll see you tomorrow night. Online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.